Hey everybody, it's Austin here. Um, Welcome once again to the Pointless Podcast, where our earbuds are always kind of tangled. Now, um, uh, you know, this is uh, part two to yesterday, last week's episode on Bo Burnham, and so this is a continuation of that. Also, a bit of a disclaimer, um, I just wanted to let everyone know that when we are discussing Bo Burnham, i.e. the name and the person, we aren't literally talking about Bo Burnham in real life. In a lot of cases, well, not in a lot of cases, um, at least to a majority of the degree, songs that peel back the layer and show a persona of a man in suffering are just as much of an act as a silly little song about pop music. And so... When we talk about Bo Burnham, we are discussing the character that he portrays on stage. I am not saying that all of this applies to Bo in real life. And uh, I just wanted to get that out there. Alright, sorry for taking up your time. And please enjoy the rest of PP Podcast. All right, I'm going to really quickly explain two of them. Um, so first one I'm going to blow uh, through is one by the name uh, of Country yes. Song. Oh, Country Song is a guy one that's a personal favorite of mine. Great, yeah. Again, it's another deconstruction of a music genre, and he discusses Country how music. a lot like pop music and rap. He doesn't it's say this, but it's an overarching theme Nice. Yeah, he doesn't blatantly say this, but it's an overarching theme with all of his uh, music that deconstruction that deconstructs music genres. That it's always just a, a corporate thing that's just a mixture of the right words that will trigger those people in those specific demographics to just automatically accept whatever they're putting out. Whether it's like you know, with country music, it's all about you know, oh, I got a cold beer and a red truck and I got my blue jeans. Literally, and, you, you, know, you with, said with a red that pickup. entire thing was all in verse one. The first one is Dirt Road, Cold Beer, Blue point. Jeans, Red Pickup, and yeah, Rural like, Noun, Simple ad- Adjective, No Shoes, No Shirt, and then a dark joke. Um, he, 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 like, you know, he kind of talks about how, like, people hate on country music, especially because of that sort of corporate thing, but he's, it's very clear that he's, like, all music does that. I don't see why you guys zone out country music specifically, especially when country music has such great hits, like, uh, Need to Remind You All of Country Roads. I mean, like, even that. That song alone justifies the existence of country yeah. music. I will die on that hill. Well, the, if you if you watch the actual show, you can see his preamble to this song is that That's there's true. plenty of great country music. Yeah, yeah. He has a yeah. preamble yeah. to all these songs with repeat it, stuff. Yeah. There's Actually, good, there's okay. one last thing I want to mention about repeat stuff because I, I didn't get a chance to. In the live version of it, he has a preamble talking about how not all songs are like this, and how love songs have lost their meaning over time. And in an interview, he mentions that Justin Bieber is in the audience during its original airing. And halfway through it, there's a dark joke that was kept out of the um, music video, where at the end of it, he stands up and does a Nazi symbol. (laughs) No, that's still in the music video. He just doesn't stop. Oh. 
it just doesn't he just doesn't stop he's making he's making he's the whole joke is that it's like um them repeating uh them like he gets the audience to start singing the chorus which again just consists of repeating the two phrases repeat stuff and then he gets up and you know flashes a Nazi symbol and it's a it's a it's a joke but it's also kind of a commentary that it's like isn't it kind of weird how them repeating the stuff is almost like propaganda that's the joke and the joke is still kept in its in, not in its entirety in the music video it's it's a blink and you'll miss a moment but it does still happen it's he's just making fun of like doesn't this all kind of it's just a whole thing I just, like, I just was imagining that propaganda. and then you just have you know Justin Bieber who debatably was one of the people that caused this entire issue um you know yeah. in the audience oh, listening to it yeah, Bo Burnham is definitely not for the faint of heart. He's got a lot of upbeat stuff. Um, so yeah, that's uh, also just country song. I, country I, I song, think it's also yeah, pretty catchy. Yeah. And, uh, also pretty it good ends message. off with... Um, really I, hate I to, want to mention it yeah, real quick, yeah, yeah, yeah. where he's talking about how... He originally starts talking about how in a lot of love song, how in a lot of country songs they add that you know country girl loves vibe to it, and it sounds rapey. And then he starts acting like that. And then, however, the um, repeating joke is that he's talking to a fucking scarecrow. And then he's just like, "You take your clothes off, I put my hands on your body." Damn it, it's the scarecrow again. Pretty much. Um, I hate to blow through this one real quick, but uh, one of the songs out that, uh, in a cornfield. That is a scarecrow. That is a scarecrow. Uh, we think we know you. I think it's one of his more artsy ones out there. It's definitely a lot more unconventional, but it's one song that you see it and you instantly understand the message behind it. Um, it just starts off with him with meeting three people. Somebody he barely knew in high school. Somebody who doesn't really know him. That like he was like his brother, his mother, his sister, his cousin or something. And um, a studio producer who's trying to get him to change his style for the sake of marketing. And, I mean, from the description of the song, it's very evident that you probably get what the message of it behind it is. But if you don't, then I highly recommend you watch it because it's definitely one of those moments where um, it, you're definitely going to be like, oh, and those are always very satisfying for me personally. So I want to let you experience that. Um, I haven't watched it. I highly I'll recommend. Experience later. It's pretty good. Um, and... F- Finally, I want to talk about two more songs, which I kind of feel that these two um, go hand in hand with each other. And that's Can't Handle This Right Now, which is hands down one of his longest works. Or And um, Are You Happy? So Both first I want to talk about... Both of which in unison are probably his magnum opus in comedy. I would say. I would say. So, as you could say, Bo Burnham has talked about, like, I mean, if you think about it, he was, like, very young when he got thrust into this life. Like I said. And he's often talked about how, like, that emotionally damaged him in a lot of ways. I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, you know, celebrities can do some really crappy stuff, but they're, you know, also some of, a lot of them are still people too. You know, some of them have a large disconnect, you know, they can't even imagine like mowing my own lawn, what? But um, I think some of them forget like, it's, it's such, especially for young people, you know, you know, cause you don't, your brain doesn't even finish developing until you're like your twenties. To suddenly have that many eyes on you, with that much scrutiny and passion, you know, I can't imagine what that could do to a person. So this is just the ultimate culmination of that. And I remember in one of his interviews, he would talk about how he would literally have panic attacks on stage, but he was so used to suppressing his feelings. I mean, not his feelings or whatever, but like he was so used to just like suppressing it that like 
when he often like felt frustrated at his audience for not wanting to take more notice of the fact that he felt like he was giving signs that were almost a plea for help. But then he, I remember later he talked about how he would rewatch videos where he knew for certain he had had a panic attack um, during those performances. And he was like, I mean, unless I knew that was, uh, if that wasn't me in those videos, I wouldn't have never guessed that guy was freaking out. Yeah, which um, you know, let me you know, let me uh, do a quick. Um, oh, oh yeah, there's my pop filter. Um, l- let me do a quick um, <laughs> reading of part of the lyrics. Um, so, singing these lines, um, a part of me loves you, part of me needs you, part of me fears you, and I don't think that I right now. It's yeah. He's he's speaking to the directly to the audience at this point, yeah. and I, I think it's a yeah, song. I think I, I want to talk about can't handle this because I haven't actually listened to the other one. Put it on the list. Uh, can't handle this starts out. It's the full title is can't handle this parentheses Kanye rant, and the entire thing has the vibe of it having the Kanye auto tune, which to be honest actually makes it hard for me to listen to it because I can't really process the words easily. But uh, boy, anything. Um, it, it starts off as him making fun of a joke that he went to a Kanye tour and for about the last 15 minutes of the concert, Kanye just put his voice on auto-tune and kind of half-singing, kind of half-spoken word or something. He just sort of ranted about his struggles as an artist. And so that's what it starts out of. But the joke is that uh, he starts out naming really mundane things. Like the first minute and a half of it is him just making a joke about the fact that he can't reach all the way inside he of a Pringles He wants a can. daughter. So then you can finally so have someone around the who, house who can fit their hands inside of Pringle cans. Yeah, I'm still on that Pringle can thing. And then, like, the next uh, like the next two minutes are him making a joke about the fact that, like, one time he went to Chipotle and he accidentally put too much stuff in the burrito and then it all spilled out. Like, but this is what I love about art. I wouldn't, got, that, like, I wouldn't got the peppers if I knew it wouldn't fit. Here's what I love about art. All right. That, like... Once on, even just like appreciating this on a surface level, it's like it sets up that expectation that ultimately, like even even the song works with the t- principle of comedy of subverting expectations. Where you think it's just like him making fun of like all oh, celebrities ranting about their problems. It's like I wish I could, I wish that was my biggest worry in life is that my T-shirts weren't selling well or that my burrito had too much stuff. In it. But then very slowly it starts uh, descending into the, this thing of like mental decline for him and. But, like, you can, the thing about art is that you can analyze it. Like, even as crazy as, like, your takeaway can sound, that can still be your takeaway. Like, and, like, I've heard people talk about, like, you know, like, <laughs> you could even look at it as analogies of the Pringles thing and the burrito thing and, like, something Show how like, even those are analogies for the issues that he's having. Like, he can't, like, reach his hand all the way into the things he thought he would have wanted now that he's here. Or, like, you could even look, like, I stupid. He wouldn't have done, this. Wouldn't have done this any of this if he knew he couldn't handle it. He wouldn't have got the cheese, the peppers. He wouldn't have gotten all these aspects of this life. He does reference that one he as he says that chorus line again after he talks about, at, partially after he talks about his mental health issues. And then there's and, a big audience clap. And I think the line that's the biggest well, takeaway for me is the one where he rants about how and like i feel like the visuals for the audience like the visuals talk about how like he's just crouching over in like the corner of the stage with this complete black with no he is center stage he is center he's, stage. yeah he's oh he's center, center stage, stage. Uh, the camera makes Front it look center. like that and he's just there 
and I just see, and he's just talking about how, like, remember that one kid at a birthday party who would scream just for the attention of it? That's a different song. Oh, is that a different song? That's, Fuck! That's that, a different song called, um, that's a different that's song artist called Artist Dead. That is Artist Dead. That is Artist Dead. That is a different song. Which we can, we can really, if you can really quickly crack it open, um, uh, that would be fine. Oh, uh, uh, I don't remember it too much because it was a while ago. It's essentially, essentially, it's all it's referring, to, uh, a big part of it is just how a lot of these artists are just, uh, um, attention seekers. They just, they do it for the attention. And, you know, now he, he, now they're getting rewarded and he feels like he's that annoying kid at the birthday party who's like, I, this isn't my birthday party, but I still want attention. And he feels like he's, he feels like, uh, I don't know if he entirely feels like that, but it certainly feels like the vibe is that he feels like he's getting all this undeserved attention and he's getting rewarded for his selfish endeavors and that he doesn't feel right about this. To bring it back to Can't Handle This, oh, can't handle yeah, this. Okay, okay, um, that, that really ties that. into, you know, the, the I, I'm going to say it again, I know I just read this, but a part of me loves you, talking about the his, his fans, his audience. Part of me hates you, part of me needs you, part of me fears you. So someone, an artist, that has gone, you know, mainstream, because by this point, he was getting picked up by Netflix. Like, that's about as big as you... That, yeah. That's the, the height of where you can be in comedy, is get picked up by Netflix at this point. And, um, and he's this, to also quote him, the next paragraph down, uh, he's this skinny kid with a steadily declining mental health... Mm. Uh, and, what relates to that? Actually, no, my mental um, health's been growing. And you know, it's what? it's interesting okay. because he doesn't he does acknowledge that he he needs the adulation a- adoration uh, of the of the stage, and he needs that in his life. He loves it because of the yeah but but because healthy. of the very next line, and he understands it's, it's, it's not healthy. The very the very next. Yeah, the very next line after that mental health one is, um, oh, and laugh while he attempts to give you what he can't give himself, which right. is, like I said, uh, we, it's a quote, as basically summarizing it, it's, it's like, you've become so much of a, you know, since you talk about this, you've become so much of a people pleaser that it's the only way you can please mm-hmm. yourself anymore. I... The only way for... The only way it's it's a lot of things that I see a lot of people who are comedic, uh, maybe not necessarily like comedians, but just people who enjoy making other people happy through being the quote unquote funny kid. Like they, I've seen a lot of people that exactly and yeah, the me especially I have the funny kid going home and being all depressed are very true most of the time. Like really, I'm just gonna say if you have that funny kid in the class, if you have that one kid who's just whose goal it is to just make jokes in class, and he tries his best to make them for you, not himself, give him a damn- Okay, no, don't break boundaries. Uh, me, give me a hug. Uh, don't break boundaries. Basically, give him respect, because he is taking time out of his day, out of his mental health, and dedicating his life to making other people laugh. To make other people happy. Because- He's doing that, though, you know, and- and- as someone who they're, didn't really have the same tra- lived experience, I don't want to judge these type of people, but I, I do want to say that that's, that's still not, you know, altruistic. He's doing it for himself. He's trying to 
make other people laugh and i think you can see this underlying he's in trying to handle this to make, to make himself happy exactly and that's why and as i remember having an existential crisis a while ago and it was basically do i make people laugh i used to be a lot more of a comedic person My life story is this i used to be a lot more of a comedic person back in the day people just saw me as the weird funny kid and i was in a state where finally someone broke the wall down and it it finally hit me that people don't think i'm funny they just think i'm weird and laugh at me and that just not laughing with but at, at people were laughing at me and as i was breaking all this down it ended up making me think do i do this so i can hear the laughter of others or do i do do i do this because i like making people happy or do i do this so i can have the attention of having people laugh with me and that existential crisis of am i an attention whore or not it that, it, it completely broke me down and that was during a state where i was not in a safe place i was not mentally stable at all and i was not mature at all i was just a stupid kid and in the timeline this was like mid of 8th grade and then i had to deal with that entire it was like the beginning of my depression phase and like it was it was it was that event with a ton of stuff going on that kind of triggered it and that ended up leading into high school where now all the people that knew me are gone i hated my old overly comedic self but i had nowhere to go i had no friends and i didn't want to become the same person that people just laughed at all the time so i just I made jokes sometimes. I was incredibly awkward, anxious. People still laughed at me because now I became now I went from that kid that was always on a pedestal for being weird and funny by all of the uh all of the uh sorry if this may offend you but quite frankly the ghetto kids at school. You know, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to say something that I believe Okay, so I'm going to say something that I think is an uncomfortable truth. And I'm I'm really sorry if this hurts anyone in the audience if anyone actually listens to this podcast. Um some people do. But if you don't love yourself, you cannot love others. Well, you not only cannot love others. That's pretty obvious. People talk about that. I don't think that people can like you. Yeah. That's also I, true. I, you're, you, you can't expect other people to like you if you don't like yourself. And that's such a hard thing to come out of. However, people don't expect it because of how... And there are, there are exceptions to that. For example, I do have friends that have huge issues, and I absolutely love them despite their issues. So that's... I can't say that's completely true, but it it does take a heart for you to see through that. Well, I think it's I I honestly think it's frankly selfish to put yourself out there in some ways. You know, if you need help, there are professionals. And hmm. professionals and they can help you cope. But if you're at a point where you really, you're so self-involved, you know, that you, you, you only look inward, then 
Maybe people can be friends with you, sure, but you're not going to find, you know, a emotional connection to someone, and that doesn't have to be like a, you know, a boyfriend-type relationship. That, I, I mean, any emotional connection. You're not going to form real emotional connections with people if you can't look at yourself and be okay. You can actually develop emotional relations with those who relate to you because there's a, there's, I am going to reference the fact that there is a sub-community of people that hate themselves and they all band together. Well, I don't think incels like each other. That's like, I, I yeah, think yeah, they, not, they not ever, I'm saying, out, I'm not saying incels, I'm saying, but, I'm referring to specific people. Mm. Hello, well, I don't know. I've, I've seen a lot of Pablo people Escobar over my time at You know, from my time at all the different schools that I've been to, you know, and I've been to a lot of different schools, you know, I, and no, no school in particular, but I feel like, you know, I've seen so many different people who, and I, I've been this at some points, you know, who just is so self-involved that they cannot be interested in what other people want. You know, either if it's because they're so engrossed in their own interests that they can't, you know, think of anything else as interesting, you know, on a superficial level like that. Like, say that you only like... Well, in my example, because this is actually who I was back in middle school, I only would listen to classical music and read, like, Shakespeare. Literally. And I wouldn't... Yes. That's actually who I was. Boy, um, boy, back in middle school in eighth grade, I will I like the the oldest thing I ever like watched consistently was freaking the Muppets, dude. We don't remember. <laughs> we don't see. I, 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 don't, they, I don't. I don't see like that as a good thing days. about myself. Because, because at the end of the day, I wouldn't socialize with you if you weren't interested in the things I liked. And that was no one. No one was interested in the things I liked. So I didn't social- socialize with anyone. That's a superficial level. I think on a deeper level, if you're at a mental state where you really cannot live with yourself, mm. then I think, you know, I can't be your savior. I can't save you. That's not what I'm here to do. It's, it is what your parents are there to do if you're a minor. But, you know, you've got to... You've got to realize... And people... There are people that think... And I think these are very hurt people. So I don't want yeah. to hurt them more. But there are very hurt people out there... That think that the world owes them... The happy life that they see on... That's... Because the lives on television are true. definitely real. You set up a really good transition here for me, Russell, to finally talk about, I think, the end to, I mean, we're going to end off here, and it's also Bo Burke, the musical comedian, at least for the foreseeable future. I want to talk about, and maybe go line by line, to a song that really, really struck with me, Are You Happy, which is the ending, not just to his final comedy special, but honestly, his musical comedy career. I'm going to be honest. I've cried multiple times listening.
avid lover. I've never cried seeing a movie, and I'm not saying that to brag. I just I really want to watch a movie one day that can actually make me cry. I've watched okay, like so one let's, or two let's movies this... that have ever made me cry. I've cried to multiple animes. Um, yeah. Uh, not but, in the way you think. So, really... Actually, I'm going. Uh, this is a complete joke, but does it count if you watch if you watch a movie that um everybody hates you so much for putting it on that they beat you till you cry? Yeah. Okay. That does that count? Um. Do, do you... Okay. You okay. All right. Let's uh, let's. Move on. I, okay, well, to, uh, uh, if, since, since we're on the topic, oh. can I just say Damn two people. things? There are only two movies that have made me very close to. Me. <laughs> I think the one, the only one that ever made me really like tear up. Okay, there's two. Okay, one that made me like slightly tear up SpongeBob was like, the first SpongeBob movie, because the scene where SpongeBob and Patrick die is honestly really well voice acted and framed. <laughs> okay, they come back. Don't worry. They put, they... it, unironically, is unironically the music, the composition, and the voice acting, and the animation in that scene are so really well done. And from a thematic standpoint, it is such a climax to the entire what this entire story has been. And I honestly think that it's stupid that people would just brush it off because it's oh, it's SpongeBob, okay? Just because it's for kids, okay? I'm, that's another ramble. The second movie is on an entirely different level, and I think this one is actually it actually made me like. I think it's honestly kind of. I feel like it's kind of insulting to this movie to put it in the same level as the SpongeBob movie, because as much as I love that movie, I think this movie is one that reserves. It's one. It's a movie about. It was a movie about the Columbine shooting, yeah. and that movie. It wasn't the shooting that made me cry. Of course, it was the aftermath. It was the aftermath when you, because it followed the life of one specific girl, who 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 died um in the incident and it once you see like the aftermath of like everyone like it was it, it, it was it was so well done and i think it was really the first and only ever time that i actually was like almost having to hold back Dang. that's so i i i feel kind of like bad putting it in the same level because like it, but um i think it was hands down like such I, it wasn't the, I wasn't the most emotionally invested, but it's hands down one of the pieces, a piece of cinema that has really struck a chord with me. So I guess uh, now that we're here, so let's go ahead and I, I guess since it's not a very long song, we can sort of take it line by line. I, so I have the Would you like me here. to read through it and then you we can talk line by line? I, I'll do the reading since right, you'll be doing so, most of the time. So talking. lead the so right. So just read the um, just uh, so just read everything except for the last two lines. Oh. Hold up, up until second. but either way read everything up to the oh. last two lines okay read everything read everything up until that's fair oh okay so now the show is done i hope that i hope that you had your gut trembling or something resembling fun and if you watch this alone you probably didn't laugh but maybe a few times you exhaled out of your nose but if you hated it that's fair so i think this is interesting because it's almost like he's taking his it's certain it does not it, coming off of the this like this plays literally right after um the end of you only i don't know if he did it live i can't remember i think he might have but um coming right off of the cusp of can't handle this which the last line we didn't talk about that but the last line is he finishes all that dialogue about his frustrations and then he sort of just delves back into it and it ends off with thank you good night i hope you're happy 
before he walks off stage. And then I think this song was sort of almost like an encore to close everything out. And and when we say everything, we like, literally mean his uh, comedy career. Career. Yep. Um, so now he's sort of saying, like, it, this this line doesn't have a whole lot to look into, I think, but uh, it's still interesting nonetheless because he's almost like. It's almost like even he doesn't seem to. It's. It, it finally seems like he's finally like almost stepped away from it, you know. Like, he's kind of. He's kind of like. He he's almost like searching for that approval, of. Please, like, did you enjoy this? And um. Also, sort of that. He's almost he's almost doing that thing like where artists do like I, I think sometimes artists' biggest critics are themselves, you know. I I've certainly had that experience with stuff I've made. I mean, I'm no like, I'm not a I'm not like a. I wouldn't I wouldn't call myself an artist, not by a long shot. But I've I've made stuff, you know, like even just like silly little videos for you know school projects. Like I've seen stuff and I look back and I'm like, and I don't like it. And like, but I've always like like still had that desperation for people to like that stuff. So I kind of understand. So um, if you could read uh, starting from But Either Way and then all the way through the first chorus. Okay. But either way, could you find a little more time for a parting questionnaire? On a scale from one to zero, are you happy? Because you're on your own from here. So are you happy? I'm open to suggestions. Are you happy? But what the fuck kind of question is, (laughs) am I happy? This these lines are very interesting because you know it's 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 very again it's doing here um, from that perspective of like he's trying to get that feedback that almost like that approval that he needs and um, you keep going down it's very interesting to see is pay close attention to the scale he scales from a scale to one to zero and you know uh, that's pretty obvious like it's kind of weird like oh like, you know like one to zero. Um, uh, I, I've seen people discuss this, and it's they're referring to it. It's like he's almost saying like, "There's no in between. Either this, either you are happy or you are." And I think another interesting no, like, thing is how it's one two zero. Oh, by the way, I haven't listened to this. This is just something I'm noticing by you saying talking about it. I wonder wh- there has to be some other layer in there, you know? Like it, it's the higher number it, to it, the lower number. Typically, it's the lower number to the high. That is, yeah. Um, I mean, it may simply be for. I mean, I don't want to be like super nitpicky. Like, almost, it, it might, it might honestly just be for the sake of rhyming convention. <laughs> but it is interesting that he's he's almost like not even giving you a choice. Like, either it's either yes or no. There is no in between. And again, he's like the line because you're on your own from here. So, are you happy? Is really interesting because it's also kind of. Maybe it was intentional, maybe not, but it's almost signifying his departure from this. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to be there center stage anymore. Oh, it's 100%. This, this is stuff. his goodbye. Yeah. yeah. I'm so open to suggestions. It's almost, Are you happy? He just he just wants to make people happy. He wants happy to know. Be, and that's because just as um, Can't Handle This says, he can't make himself happy. So he's trying to make other people happy, even though he's unhappy himself, and that that doesn't make him happier. It he he is making people laugh, like he's playing to this this 
like can't handle this is being played live to this giant auditorium in New York City. They're all laughing. You know, we're all laughing at home. It's funny. But he's not happy. He can't make himself happy. At Because this even point. if you make yourself then, happy, it's not going to fix your own issues. That's something I learned personally. You have before you can really just start before you can start um um like before you can fa- feel happy about yourself you have to love yourself it's really that's something it's also interesting because he's also kind of discussing the thing where it's like trying to laughter while i think is a key thing it's not happiness yeah right laughter is not happiness mm-hmm. it is something that almost sometimes comes as a result of it but you cannot replace being happy with laughter laughter and being being happy is a state of being laughter is a a chemical reaction reaction to having um a shot of serotonin quick enjoyment as opposed to long-term happiness it's it's, so it's kind of like uh it's it's a way to say i enjoyed what you said and that brought me brief release from this world whether this world is good or bad so it's kind of like simple well, it's and literally complex a chemical carbohydrates yeah. so like simple and complex it's also it's just that i'm sorry russell but the chemical reaction isn't telling people it's emotional significance it does have emotional it's also interesting well it Then does we get to but i mean our brains very... are literally chemical yeah, so. yeah that's true we get to the last line of the chorus what kind of a question is am i happy because it's always such in i mean like that's it's it's honestly laid out there yeah. for you know like what kind of question is am i happy how do i know right if i'm happy like can you honestly take a step back in your life and say not just that you're glad in this moment but that you are content with the life right so um Russell um, So verse 2 tries to answer that. To answer that, we must so, go to yeah, Nietzsche. This verse 2. Where... So just To answer that, so we please... need to talk about parallel universes. Well, you see, Russell, well, I, was... I might let you stay as long as you, uh, you know, sell me something good. So, what do you have to sell to me today? Well, today, my friend, I have this um, used mask. <laughs> Now, the reason the reason you want a used mask is, you know, masks. Wear a mask. Everyone ought to wear a mask. You know. Stop Corona, but what if you want Corona? Then you got to be twenty-one or older, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. This is Corona for everyone. This is Virgin Corona. Why don't we right? just sell the virus? So then? what? Why don't you just sell the virus then? That's not fashionable. Well, if it's not attached to a piece of clothing, what's the point? But it's right. Exactly. See. This is a used mask that is high fashion. You know, old money mask, all right? So, you can die from corona, a horrible, painful, long death, and go down in fashion. 
when, when. Well, I mean... And also, you don't have to go to, back to school, so, you know. <laughs> That's a good point. That's true. Okay. So, okay. so how much, how much is, it, is this? Is it, like, one of those, um, uh, one of those, like, infomercials where, uh, if I buy it right now, we'll get something free? Well, see, this is, this is no, this is no, you know, Saturday no. night television infomercial, all right? This is no, th- this is, this is high fashion. This is, um, <laughs> this is Louis Vuitton level. This is Gucci level. All right. Who is why don't Louis I just Vuitton? Wait for no. the, if I'm going to die anyway, why don't I just wait for the Chinese bootleg? Um... Well, but then you don't have the real thing. Then, because remember, if you have the real thing, people will like you. How, how, how much is the money? How, I mean, how how many monies? Does okay, it cost? so I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna cut you a deal. I'm gonna cut you a deal because it seems like you're an all right guy. So, I'll cut you a deal. Serious slaps. A thousand bucks. Whoa. A thousand shoot. bucks. That's a pretty good deal. Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. Oh, used mask. What the heck? Why Why does Louis have a baton? <laughs> I don't know. I think he's famous for it or something. And and since and since you're such a great guy, I'll include my um, empty iced coffee cup from Dunkin' Donuts. Mm. In the does it also have deal. Corona? Probably. Uh, probably. Well, I mean, okay, it's, it, it's, from, gonna... it's straight from Florida. It's straight from Florida. Straight so. out of Florida. Okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> straight out I'll of ta- Florida. Here, you I'll can hear it. I'll take it, but I, I, I won't uh, just buy one. I'll buy a whole pack. So, Russell, if you could um, go ahead and read first. I really want to try to get happy. And I think that I could get it if I didn't always panic every time I'm unhappy. Like, I'm owed some life where I'm always, like, happy. Which is stupid. Because I wouldn't even... I wouldn't even want it if I got it. Wait, oh god, my dad was right. There's a lot to unpack there, so let's go ahead and go through the first couple of lines. Where he's really trying to get happy, which again is almost like why he turned to Will. I mean, I think I think it's important to give context that we're analyzing almost the character of Bo Burnham, but not necessarily his person. Again, like Russell said, this is this is technically what he wants to tell us. So this may not necessarily apply to the person, but I think this is one instance where I think we're trying to analyze the art, and you can't really detach it from the artist. So, as we were saying, he's trying to get happy, which is kind of like what he was describing in Can't Handle This, or it's like, what he cannot give himself. He's trying to use comedy as an outlet to make himself happy. And, mm -hmm. so, and I think that I would get it if I didn't always panic every time I'm happy, like I'm always some happy life. So that's also the thing where it's like, I think the state of being of... Happiness is... We we, we talked about this early on, but I think it's... um, it's the thing that applies to all aspects of life, which is the candy bar effect that we described a long time ago in one of our earlier episodes. Yum. But it's 
sometimes the things that make certain things special are the fact that you don't always have them. Like, you know, if you have a particular candy bar that you really like, but you ate that piece of candy, you know, every day, like every like three meals, pretty soon you would probably eventually get sick of it. It's why when you had it's why your favorite song never probably stays the same for a very long time. I was unless there's like and like it's also probably why you don't listen consistently I was, uh, every day. Watching an anime, a slice of life anime, I think it was, and it literally I'm gonna quote it from memory. I don't it, so it might not be a perfect quote, but I'm gonna quote it, and it said something along the lines of, um, "When you're always happy, you stop being able to tell when you're happy or something like that." So, something like that. Yeah, it's. It's it's the thing where it's like a lot of people like are so desperate to get out of that state of not of like but you know there's nothing wrong with not wanting to be happy but I think some it's it's the thing where it's like sometimes you're so desperate to get out of that state that you're like you know you're panicking there's nothing wrong with not wanting to be unhappy but it's again he's sort of playing into the thing like we were talking about where he's like he feels like he's owed that picture perfect right. happy life and i think this comes back and... to you know loving yourself he's not insane that um which is stupid because i wouldn't even want it if i got it want that happy life what he's saying i believe my interpretation of the art is that he's not saying that he wants to be unhappy He's not saying he wants to be miserable alone, you know, all the things you associate with unhappiness. What he wants, I believe, is to love himself for where he is. Mm. Because if you love yourself for where you are, then you can be unhappy, but still loved, even if it's only by yourself. I think it's also the kind of thing where it's, you know, people even make jokes about this, but it's the thing where it's like, my trauma has become so much of my identity that I don't who who I would become if I grew out of it. I think it's somewhat playing into a little bit. I'm not, I mean, I don't know how traumatizing of a life it is, but the thing about depression is that you don't have to live through some life-altering experience to have it. I mean, sometimes the people who are depressed are people who have lived, you know, in all for all intents and purposes, relatively normal, good And lives, actually, that can play into feeling depressed really because sometimes you can feel like, why am I crying over this? It's not much. You compare it to the kids in Africa that people always bring up that are starving to death and are always sad. You compare, you compare it to how it's a saying that I- You know, I- I used to, as I mentioned before, I really didn't have any friends in middle school. And I don't- I wouldn't describe myself as, like, the middle school bully type. Like, I don't think I ever was someone that was cruel to other people. But I definitely thought in those- terms like i was judgmental of people in my head i was never someone to act on those feelings but you're everything you hated are you happy i hated what i was and so i hated people like me oh i think that 
stretch, but that's what that line makes me think. It's what that line actually means. That's the authorial intent of the line. I think pretty obviously. But my take on it's a little bit different. Um, I think what I'm well, personally I mean, listening to art. Like I said, I mean, I think this is line. I think this is definitely one that you know it's the duality of both as a celebrity, but also mentally speaking. So, um, I think this very last line is, I think, by far probably. I think in a lot of aspects the most subjective. If that makes any sense. Yeah, but well, um, yeah. Hey, look, ma. Hey, look, ma. I made it. Are you happy? I honestly am not even sure where to begin with this one because it's. It, I think it's. I think the, I could give you a rundown if you like. I think I know. Kind right. Of I think it's just. I think it's just like the ultimate like subjective thing. Yeah. Let, let me let me give you guys my take on this because oh, for sure. I've yeah. been talking too much and so I'll continue talking. Well, it's your only episode, um, so I'll make the most of it. You're yes. fired after this. Like that's still, that's still a thing. You're fired. I, I'm coming back for one more episode, hopefully, and then I'm going to be out. We'll see about so that. Like, our, come on, man. Like, are already have already talked about this. You were a replacement for Cameron. Cameron, and I just started ringing at the doorbell. Uh well, he. Oh, that, I guess that's Suchi's sign off. Russell left. Okay, now we still have Russell. Okay, Russell. I I Go will ahead. um. Go ahead. I'll just rant for a little while, and we can pretend like Sushi is still here. He'll probably join back later. Right, just go ahead. Okay, right. so, um, hey, look, Ma, I made it. Are you happy? So this is the final line. And, hey, look, Ma, I made it is, you know, um... Um, I think it's really interesting that this line, this entire song has obviously been dedicated at the audience, and almost especially the people, this, this entire song has been directed at the audience, but almost especially the people who are watching this from home on their TV, Ever. I think, in a lot of aspects. And so what's interesting about this final line, hey, look, my made it, are you happy, is that it's so strange because it's obviously not, it's the first line almost not entirely even directed at all at the audience. It's very clearly being directed at his mother. Is his mother, you know, happy? I don't know. Maybe it's as necessarily about his success. I think one person commented, um, rather than asking his mother, rather than asking his mother, are you happy that I've made it? He's asking, even though I've made it, are you happy? You know, whatever you can take away from that. So it's... It's certainly such an interesting line, especially one to be ending off. It, it could be a double entendre where it could be like a standalone line of are you happy? Just like the recurring thing of are you happy? Questioning the audience, are you happy? And with the context as well, it's, he's also asking his mom. It could mean both I of I think them. so, certainly. I think it's out of this entire song, it's the most uh, line that you certainly are going to have to take something away for yourself. Um, I'm not cutting out, am I? Okay. No, you're fine right now. Sure. Oh, whoops. Um, it's, it certainly, uh, does feel that way. And it's certainly such an interesting line for him not to just end this entire show 
which I think is most like emotionally pushing, but also probably technically the end of his career on to end a, on a, something to his mother. It's uh, it's certainly a really interesting thing to put in that perspective. So the line, you know, the last line, Hey, look, Ma, I made it. Are you happy? So I feel like this line isn't speaking to his mother. It just references her. That's it's what like, I was thinking hey, look, well. hey, look, Ma, I made it. So he's saying, he's realism, Hey, look, Ma, I made it. With a panic of Huh. So, um, I made people love him. People love him so much that four high schoolers are making a podcast about him. You know, uh, you know, four years after he's quit, people successful. But the line "Are you happy?" means. Not only are you happy, like he's asking the audience, hey, have I accomplished my goal of making other people happy? I think it's also somewhat inward. He's directing it to himself. Am am I happy? And the answer seems to be no. You know, I'm, I'm wildly successful. You know, talking from the perspective of the artist here. I'm wildly successful. I've obviously made a lot of money. But and I've been able to put my thoughts it, and it, art out to it, the world it, and make tons of people happy. However, it's, I don't know why. It, well, no, he's, he, he doesn't, because he doesn't love himself, or at least, you know, at this point, he himself no matter how much he makes other people happy he's believes that he's making other people happy mm. he can't believe that he can make other people truly happy or give them true enjoyment until he himself is in that place because honestly he really can't like i'm as a as an artist he's brought people together you know, both physically and emotionally, over their interest in him. He's made people laugh. But can you really bring true change into, you know, the people that matter to you? Which could be his whole audience, or could just be the people that, like, physically are near him and matter to him. Like, can he make those people happy? If he is not happy with who he is, if he doesn't love himself, I don't think he can. And I think this is him realizing that even though he's tried for 10 years, ever since he was our age, for 10 years, to try to make himself happy by making other people happy, that he's never going to reach that final goal of making himself happy until he steps back and 
stops referencing verse 2 panicking every time I'm unhappy like I'm owed some life where I'm always like happy mm. I think that's the message oh. so I mean do you have any like closing all encompassing statement for us Russell I think I kind of said it. I think that, um, you know, it's, you've got to be happy. You know, you've got to be happy to make other people happy. I think is the end of it. And to be happy is loving yourself. That's all it is. And that's very hard and actually impossible for people in certain mental states but to everyone out there listening, all four of you, or however big the audience is. It's, it's, I think that's like, so I know there's one consistent watcher, and like, maybe another person might stumble on it, watch halfway through, and then get off. That's what I expect. Well, to whoever is listening to this right now, whoever is listening to this right now, including the three of you guys, you to love yourself is to just accept where you are now you don't have to be perfect and that's Bo Burnham's message and that's and I've said this to some of you guys you know just um You've got to love yourself. And loving yourself just means accepting where you are now. And so you, you're you fine where you are now. Just make yourself better from where you are now. And if you slip sometimes, that's okay. Mm. But just keep an upward general trend towards making the world better and making yourself better. And that's what being a human is. And that's what happiness is. Um, I don't know, uh, Cameron, do you have anything, any final words for the audience here? Um, my Aegis Slash just leveled up in Pokemon. Phenomenal, phenomenal right there. Uh, what about you, Suchi? Any closing statements from you? That's some really powerful stuff right there. <laughs> All right, well, um... I guess this is going... I wasn't kidding, by the way. I know. Uh, This is going to be the end of the very first season for the Pointless podcast. I'm sorry. And, um... We're just going to want to, roughly for about a month, you know, just take a step back and really reevaluate what it is we're doing here, what we want to do here. And uh, thanks to everybody who listened, even if it was only one episode. You never hear this. But um, I hope that you were at least mildly entertained. And, you know, maybe a couple times you exhaled out your nose. And uh, with that, we're make happen with that we're gonna go ahead and close out on this first season 
of the Pointless Podcast. Have a good morning, evening, or afternoon. Bye-bye.